Greetings, SE land. This is Twig, Anthony Twig Wheeler, here with another episode of Twig's SE Reflections podcast. This is an audio archive offered up for the SE students and practitioners out there everywhere. Folks that are studying the psychobiological literature and somatic healing arts, applying that to their work with clients in the helping professions. Hello there, I'm Twig, and I'm here for episode 84 to talk to you about what I think of as Milton's List, which you might have thought about before as a resource list, as that's a kind of common thing or theme out there in the somatic world is to help people, particularly somatic SE, SE, classic SE, we would do resource lists where, you know, people would come in and you'd ask, what are your resources? What are your supports? What are your likes? What are the things that make you feel more like you? What are the things that you've gone through that have given you stronger capacity? What are the tools that you've cultivated in your life that help you feel good and help you feel better and help you negotiate the challenges that you find in yourself and in the world? What are your spiritual supports and involvements and where do you find solace? What are your resources? And that list, it's a a powerful thing to do. I recommend everybody does it. I surely got a lot out of doing that. That list is um, both a good thing to go do and slightly different than what I'm going to end up talking about today, which is Milton's List or an adaptation that I, I do off of Milton's List. And I mentioned the resource list as such a kind of congruent kind of thing because it's it's almost just the exact same thing. So as you go into this with me, as we go in this together, I'll ask you just to think, oh, that's that's very much like what I've already done, or I already do that, or something like that. And then also here, these little twists and differences that I give to it today, because that's why I'm offering it up. And this is a little, a little tricky in here at times. Not that it's super special or genius, just that it's not the classic resource list. Okay, so I don't know so much about Milton Erickson. Not so much like some people do. But there was a couple years where I did this nice thing for myself in somatic experiencing, where I went and studied the foundation level or the kind of initial level of various different modalities that are completely either congruent or influential to SE. I really wanted to become super artful with SE, so I wanted to keep my focus there, but I also wanted to kind of incorporate a lot of the basic things that are available from all the modalities that either Peter Levine had clearly studied and and used to influence his work and his kind of language and process with SE, or that like had come along and were clearly supportive or um, somehow associated, you know, kind of like, oh, you learn something there and you apply it back in SE land and you do better work. So one of those is hypnosis. Yeah, and so I did some study with Stephen Gilligan, who's one of 
the kind of like legacy folks from Milton Erickson, the father of Ericksonian hypnosis, and that kind of organic side of the hypnosis spectrum, where, um, well, you know, it's just, uh, it's, it's the more organic-y kind of a little bit uh, odd <laughs> at times kind of stuff, but highly, highly influential in so much of brief therapy and SE kind of thinking and our understanding of trance states and our understanding even of the dorsal vagal freeze state once you get down to it. And a lot of our appreciation of what's happening for clients in our sessions around freeze immobility can be deeply enhanced by understanding the positive nature of the kind of hypnosis and trance-like process found in Ericksonian hypnosis. Well, inside of this little study on hypnosis that I did, I was reading all about Erickson as much as I could kind of like take in and, um, which was, which was a fair bit. And I, and I've been trying to think of exactly where this reference was. I think it was in Milton Erickson, an American healer, which is, I think that's his, like the, the, the main biography now. And it was actually edited by his daughter. Well, I think it's in that book that they talk about something that I picked up and kind of have been using ever since. And that was this, you know, this is now I can step off into a broader narrative. That's easy to, to know about that Milton Erickson, he was, you know, both a major psychiatrist and kind of father founder of modern kind of hypnosis and hypnotherapy inside of psychotherapy. And he really kind of changed quite a lot of things and challenged the status quo in a whole bunch of different ways. And he was also a very interesting man in himself, just his person. And one thing that's interesting about him was that he was as accomplished as he was after suffering near to death as a child from polio and passing through some pretty hard times with that, where in fact, he was kind of predicted to die and such. And he, he kind of lived through that much in some ways by his own will and effort and capacity to kind of help himself more or less go into trance and, and kind of get through the pain. He went on to live um, like a adult life. He got through that illness and was able to kind of mobilize and do things, although he, he had to make adjustments for his gait and such, but he, um, he went off and did lots and lots of activity out in the wild and did real adventures. He was a really active person and later in life was attacked by polio a second time. Yikes, hard, 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 hard. Ended up as an older man in a wheelchair he did and talked about regularly acknowledged that he suffered intense pain. Now he, he said in fact that he generally on a daily basis had kind of excruciating amounts of pain and sometimes it was more and sometimes it was less and sometimes it was 
from this cause and sometimes it was from that cause and yet he um, maintained a vigorous life and social life and work life and family life and all this kind of stuff he was is a very animated human being and he had all this pain well somewhere in in his biography there's a kind of reference that he said well he um he had a list he discovered certain things that would help him deal with the pain and he would you know kind of get overwhelmed by the pain it was it was approaching he would try to do something to get it to go away to get out of it to, you know turn his attention to something else he sometimes even forced his body into other painful situations including sometimes kind of like choking himself and such against a chair where he would really kind of create other painful sensations but they were under his control and by that means he could kind of alter his attention away from the pain that was out of his control and find some quelling with that well he had all these different techniques for it he could relax himself he could activate himself he could do all these different kinds of things and most certainly most of them incorporated his facility with trance and hypnosis self-hypnosis well I saw that and I realized that Milton Erickson this great great human being and kind of role model and you know he, he surely had his stuff we all do but um, you know at the same time like he's a really kind of genuinely like there with it kind of interesting super great guy and you really kind of want to learn from folks like that and so when I I was reading about Milton and his list I realized well if Milton can have a list I can have a list well here's what he did right well one thing he did was he said I had this list I had collected all these things that would work to help me relieve the pain but I realized none of them would work every time there was nothing that I could find that I could just repeat that thing every time the pain would come and it would always make the pain go away nothing worked every single time and so I had this list and I would just start going down the list until I found the thing that I could do next and that could see if it could work and if it didn't work I just went to the next one I could do and I'm just going down the list until I find something that day that will work for the pain that day and so when I was reading this I think that's the same thing that's right that's totally right for myself and for my clients nothing works every single time you know you get your resource list and you find out that something is good for you and you like it and it makes you feel good and then you try and go execute it and you find out that it doesn't make you feel good and then you think your resources have failed you or you think that they never really were the resource that you thought they were you gave them too much credit in the first place or oh this must really be the worst one ever because now your resource that you always could count on before can't work this time you must really be in a really really bad situation on and on and on there are all kinds of like you know things in the way of a resource working to provide sustain entice execute encourage bring forth the same kind of feeling state the same kind of positive thing every single time they're not always available and sometimes they don't always elicit the same kind of feeling state in fact sometimes you visit them a few times and as far as their excitation they can get kind of weak you know you've been there before 
Well, Milton had this worked out. He had a list of things that he knew could help him out of this pain. He knew that none of them would work all the time. He knew that the pain was going to come back. He knew the pain was going to return. And he knew that when it returned, he could do something about it. But he knew that when it returned, he'd have to do something about it. And that part of that would be uncomfortable. And part of that would require him to continue to go through the list until he found something that would get him out of the pain so that he could go on with the rest of his day and have all this kind of like life that made him so famous. Not that he was doing that for the fame, but it did make it so that he could engage his life quite as fully as this man that we read about and we know about. Milton's list. Well, you know, like we don't have to be any better than, than that. We, we could learn from Milton. We could just say, hey, right, there are going to be times when myself, okay, you, us, we'll take it from the practitioner side first. We want to be able to like kind of take care of ourselves in order to be able to kind of be there for, you know, our profession and such, you know, but then also we could think about our clients. They're going to have times. We're all going to have times where things are going to be a little hard or be really hard or be excruciating. And if we have some knowledge, some sense, some ideas about what to do in order to help us get through it, well, we're going to, we're going to just have something to lean on when those hard times come. Well, that's the generalist kind of perspective. And then getting much more narrow from a practitioner kind of perspective, I can name a few extra things here. One is we took that kind of template of Milton's list and said, okay, you know, some of us are going to need a list of options of things to do. Things as, as Kathy Kane kind of helps point out, this is a, a nice kind of commentary for clients. She points out, it's like, what's the thing that's helped the most? When you, when you find people who have the kind of pain or the kind of distress or the kind of repetitive like excitation that we're talking about with something like the need for Milton's list, where it's like every day he could anticipate this pain was going to come or regularly this pain was going to come. He had to be kind of prepared for it. He had to put some attention into how to protect himself from it or how to negotiate it the best he could when it came. Well, here, here we are, our clients, you know, it's like some of them, we, we know that this, this excitation is going to come up for them. And, and we're looking for like, what have you already, when you've encountered that before, what have you already found? What are the things that you've already discovered that are most helpful for you? And, and, and really to try to, in, in fact, use the th resources, the things that people have already found, you know, maybe some of them are going to be adjusted, but nevertheless, to look into the fact that people have already been going through these hard, weird times. And as they've been doing it, they've been collecting some things that have already helped. And now what we're going to try to do is curate those into a list that essentially recognizes a few, a few simple things. Like one thing is that when we're stressed, we think less. When we're stressed, we think less. And here we're talking with our clients, some people who, who, you know, it's like, okay, they get stressed and they don't have that much to stress about or it doesn't get that much on them or they're able to think of all their options 
or their stress response isn't that, you know, kind of noisy, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of people, they don't need a list of things that they can do to help themselves calm down. They could kind of like in that moment say, oh, what do I need? Oh, I need to go for a walk and they go for a walk. But there are some of us, there's some people out there, some of our clients who, when the noise comes up, it comes up so loud that distress, that pain, that something comes up so much that it's the real deal. And when you get stressed like that, you think less. And having a list, well, having a list is super helpful. You know, because when you're stressed, you think less. And if Milton could maintain a list, then, you know, well, here's this, here's this really fantastic, super uber, wonderful, smart, enhanced fellow who's lived such an accomplished life and has helped so many people. And even he gets into daily pain that he needs a list to remind him of what to do. Well, I lean on all of this. I'll tell you what I do with this. I lean on all of this. I, I kind of watch for people who need some kind of structure, need some kind of support for when the noise is raging or they're getting kind of like pulled down into the vortexes. And my reach for them is limited, you know, it's like one hour a week or something when I'm seeing people and, you know, probably for you too, maybe two hours a week, maybe little check-ins. Well, there's, there's all the hours in between that people need to, you know, particularly folks who are really engaging in this process and with the, the deep need to get, to kind of quell some of that. Well, they, they have a lot of hours that they have to figure out what to do to get through stuff. And there's a lot of other people who they're getting through stuff fine, but there are still these flare-ups where they can be swept away for days at a time by an activation cycle that maybe hopefully used to bother them more and now it's bothering them less, but they're still in this repetitive nature of like if the wrong trigger happens, they could easily, you know, spin out for days. Well, there's, there's a large range in here of folks that experience the sense of when they get stressed, they think less and they start making poorer and poorer decisions. And rather than seeing that as simply the signal that says, I have to turn to my list that will tell me the things that I can remember to try to do here in order to calm my system down, calm my, rea calm my reaction down before I make any decisions, calm my behavior, like calm my calm my intensity down before I engage my relationships, like help my system, like not be so agitated before I return that phone call. Like all of these places where people's behavior gets driven by the excessive reaction of their autonomic nervous system. Some people finally say, oh, you know, I need, I need a buffer here. I need to slow things down or I need to not feel like I'm panicking. In which case, in those places where people could think quickly or an intervention could be set up where they would have access to a list where the instruction or the kind of the, the meaning behind it all is that here's this repetitive thing. It's not helping you. It's not helping you make good decisions. It's not helping you in any kind of like real way, there might be renegotiation stuff to be done with it inside of session. But at home, that panic attack isn't helping people. And feeling it a bunch isn't going to help them. Self-processing 
is in this in this area of distress self-processing is just a really dangerous kind of thing to do all all you more or less are likely to do is reinforce it reinforce the feeling that that this signal is attractive and pay attention to it and that just reiterates the distress signal most of the time inside of this arena the the biggest need is to quiet things down get out of there slow things down get out of the pain get out of the pain and go on and have a day get out of the pain and go on and make a better decision go get out of the distress and like make a better choice inside the relationship so at this place where you can see this is just a repetitive distress signal going over and over on itself there's no value to tracking it there's no value to self watching it the the goal here is actually to see the sequence that leads to it or to try to recognize as early along inside the sequence that it is, is happening that it's coming up you notice that the pain signal is coming up you notice that the flashback is coming up you notice that the anger about the class is coming up but that could actually be the anger about the work which could actually be the anger about anything else it's just that this repetitive anger keeps coming and it just has found a new subject somewhere along the way when our clients see that need for kind of getting out of the distress repetition I usually bring in Milton's list and I say something like okay there are all these hours that you have to work on your behalf to keep this repetitive cycle from taking off and just making your relationships worse and your feeling states worse and your body worse and staying up all night and making it hard to go to work and all these kinds of things so for some time here when we're trying to get your nervous system more or less kind of doing this on its own where it's going to not be kind of getting so ramped up and just kind of ruining everything but maybe more or less not getting as ramped up as often or getting less ramped up about things or not even getting as ramped up but we're going to work over that over time together and yet in the meantime there's this window in here where these kind of almost assaults are happening to you where your things are just getting so ramped up and you can kind of tell they're not really helping they're just more or less repetitive right we kind of looked at how they're not really they could be something else the similar kind of energy just played out somewhere else so it's it's not like you're going to be able to like fix the relationship inside of that high intensity it's just going to kind of seems like it just makes things worse right so we need a kind of an exit when that when you first notice that sequence where it's like that's what's going to happen i'm going to end up back in that state again we're looking for an exit and there's lots of different exits out there and I'll tell you what I usually think about. I usually think about this fella. He's a famous psychiatrist, really quite a remarkable man. And he suffered polio when he was young and then again when he was older and he lived with a whole lot of pain. Now he's he's the kind of the father of of hypnosis, the use of hypnosis, but one of the things that he figured out for himself was that he could kind of do things to help himself deal with his pain and partly with his hypnosis and other kinds of things that he would do for his body and and some some things that were gentle and some things that took a lot of effort and he had like he actually maintained a whole list of things that he could do that would help him to deal with the pain and when the pain would come up 
you know how it is? It's like when you get stressed, you think less. And this is like something that he understood. He's like, when the pain would come up, he'd have a hard time thinking. You know, it's like for us, when like when this kind of activation comes up, it's hard to think about all the better things you could do. So he had this list. And when the pain would come up or, you know, what we could say when the activation comes up, he'd, he'd turn and he'd look at the list and he'd say, okay, what can I do? What can I do on this list right now? to help try to quiet the pain. There's no point in just trying to let the pain run. I know it's not helping me and I know it's only going to repeat itself. I'm just trying to get out of it pretty much as fast as I can now. And he'd, he'd, he'd realize nothing is going to work every single time. He couldn't just have one thing on the list. He'd have to have multiple different things on the list. And so he'd go down the list and he'd, he'd like, you know, go, he, he lived in a wheelchair, so he'd like go for a roll around the block. You know, we might think like go for a walk around the block and like we might think like call my sister or, you know, um, go in the kitchen and make tea. You know, there could be like for different people. And now I start to switch it over to them. You know, it's like for you, for me, maybe a list is a pretty appropriate idea. It's like to figure out the things that you already know help, the things particularly that have helped the most, but other things that when you start to get distressed, when the pain starts to come up, when the problem starts, you know that in the end, those things would help you to calm it down, to get out of it. And we're going to try to kind of filter for some of those that help the most to use as early as possible so as to just get right out of that stress response before trying to engage the rest of what's happening that is helping to kind of call or be influenced by the fact that the stress response is coming. Like sometimes pausing a relationship argument, quarrel, or kind of like decision or discussion to pause, like trying to deal with self and work at the same time to not, not go into that next event until you get to like calm yourself down different areas of life where it's, it comes very important to, you know, differentiate, and um, try to get things calmer before you continue to try to engage. And that's how I present, and that's what I'm meaning behind Milton's list, which is a kind of a resource list of things that people can do that help to ameliorate or mitigate or even help them exit feeling states, problem states, memory states, particularly useful to have in their own daily life when these moments come up and they notice themselves starting to go down the pattern, maybe starting to, if they, if it's a migraine, then there's a list, you know, if it's a migraine pattern, then they would create a list of things that they know that they can do that help when the migraine is there. And then they see that the migraine, the first maybe aura or something signal that, that the, the pattern is starting and they they kind of like just go to execute the list and start moving down the list to try to get all the signals related to the headache to drop down before it gets going. Milton's list. If Milton needed a list, I could need one too. So that's my introduction for this. And then, you know, there's a certain kind of like do they need me to help them figure these things out? And do I need to input 
what should go on the list? Are they going to go home and make their list? Some people, they don't even need to make the list. They just need to know that the idea that they could make a list and that that would make sense is enough. You know, some people need you to sit there and work out a physiologically based list of somatic activities like orientation and balancing and kind of like occupational therapy based sensory diet kind of things, different kind of stimulus that help to balance the nervous system or the proprioceptive system or the vestibular system. It's like there's a lot of involvement, there's less involvement, here's the list, there's the general idea, and that's the general point of execution is to try to figure out signals that are going to say, now I have to go to the list. In fact, sometimes I should say that the list would be so necessary that you would just be doing the list all the time, right? You would just be like, well, I'm on a sensory diet. I go to the list three times a day to make sure that I calm my system before it gets to ramp up. All of these kinds of uses are there. Well, it's one thing to write the list. It's another thing to use it. Okay, obviously, how you introduce it, I think, really matters to people, whether or not it's the big grand thing that's going to solve everything, or this is one more thing to aid you. Yeah. And if it's one more thing to aid you, the aid of it is not to be on a piece of paper in a drawer somewhere, but to actually be visible. When you're stressed, you think less. It's like somewhere along the distress spectrum where this is really like a real thing, I really help people decide that this is something that they want to have posted around their house and make it easy to turn and look to the list and to start going down the list and finding that they can orient and name three things that they see in the room. They can do, you know, um, two jumping jacks and whatever, you know, there's, I generally look for what people would do anyway and add in things like orientation and simulated pendulation. But that's that's my little formula there. But in any case, you, you get this list that you can look at and say, like, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. And having it accessible is really important. It gets so important and helpful sometimes that for particularly for anxiety, when people are afraid of escalating anxiety toward panic attacks. I have at times helped to make this list of things people can do like orientation and going for a walk and talking to somebody else and doing a simulated pendulation round with somebody on the phone, et cetera, et cetera. Like to have to write out this list, ideally as many of the ideas as coming from what they know they can do and as few of them have been my interjections on what they should do. But okay, some of those are available for sure. And now we take a picture of that list. And so many people have these smartphone things that when you take a picture, you can put the picture on the home screen of your phone. And then it's like, you know, it's, it's you really got to hear me. I, this is not to like pathologize you and make you think like you have to live from a list. And you don't want clients that are in this much distress. I have to live from a list. I have to live from a list that tells me constantly what I should be doing that is helpful for calming me down. It would be painful to be in that situation forever and to think that that's the end all. It's what to do right now when the storms are just coming and they're not helping. They're not helping. They're just not helping. And being able to get out of them sooner would help. So 
this is one rubric, one kind of method for making an argumentation that says, hey, look, other people have suffered and they were, you know, here's one of them that was really smart about it. At times when he couldn't think straight because he was in so much suffering, he would turn to a list that he had already created that told him what else to try to do. And then he would just start doing that next thing until the pain subsided. And there are windows for some of our clients in their lives that they need to be willing and want, they actually would want the help with this to make it easy and accessible to access such a list so that they could get out of that stress response that some of our clients are entering into unbidden so easily so often. And it's not the solution. It's not a permanent it's not a permanent kind of thing, but it is terribly relieving and it could give at least a little bit of a structure for some of your clients to invest in the idea of keeping themselves out of the red trauma vortex milieu as much as they can, as often as they can for some time while you get the pendulum swinging again. Yes, indeed, that, that's what I think about Milton's list and I did not know that man, but I am very, very grateful for him and what he shared with the rest of us. Yes, indeed, that I'll leave you with there. Okay, wishing you well out there. Bye-bye now. And here's a tracking twig moment for episode 84. You know, in this episode, I mentioned Milton Erickson and... Stephen Gilligan. Now, Stephen Gilligan was a student of Milton Erickson's, and he goes on now, of course, and he teaches and does his own things, and he's out there in the world, and maybe a lot of you already know about him. I'll tell you, one of the best things I ever did in my SE kind of training, when I was like really, really training it up and trying to learn everything I could, very sponge-like at a time, I went and studied with Stephen Gilligan at his trance camp, which is a kind of event that he does every year in California, in Southern California, and in the summertime. Stephen Gilligan trance camp. And I don't have any affiliation to it. I did it one time. I was a student. I went there and got a lot out of it and left. And it completely transformed my somatic experiencing sessions. And informed my understanding of how I'm not trying to reproduce hypnosis when I'm supporting people going in, being in, and coming out of freeze, and how it's much more, um, you know, there's there's like these differentiations that one can make with how they support their tone of voice and such, whether or not your voice is hypnotic or whether or not it's just kind of supportive. And I, I got so much out of it personally, going into trance all the time in that class. Oh, it was great. But also, really, it affected my work in a very positive way. So I um, I just happen to know that a lot of, not a lot, but some amount of SE folks that have gone and done that same thing since then. And they've all, everybody I know of who's done that, have gotten back in touch with me and said that that was a really good thing for them. And I just mentioned that in this episode. So I thought I'd say, hey, there's this... Uh, adjunctive training out there in the world that is that's helpful it's something to think about okay maybe there's other hypnosis options that help you feel that anyway that's that